Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Mike of the Century. And I am the Guardian Changel. Oh my god. Jesus. <laughs> I love that. I love your gimmick. Welcome to episode 124, Bash at the Beach, 1994. Who wants to say it? Who wants to say it? Hulk's WCW debut. Ah, oh, you gave it exactly what you said. <laughs> Yay. <sighs> Yay. Yeah, open up your bun because the hot dog skin man is here. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so this was the first Bash at the Beach produced by WCW. Was it ever. It would take place on July 17th. 1994, from the Orlando Arena in Orlando, Florida, with an attendance of 14,000 people. Hey! Which actually would be the biggest pay-per-view gate they had ever generated since Great American Bash 88, Uh when they had 13,000 people. It makes me sad that there's somebody on the card that is probably... Responsible for it? I'll give you a hug later about Guardian Angel. <laughs> the first Bash at the Beach, but it was like Beach Blast. Why the name change? Because Rick Root is no longer oh, Don't and, remind, and, don't remind know, me. That was his show. Yeah. Hulk Hogan should be shooting season two of Thunder in Paradise right now. And this should be fucking Ric Flair versus... Or I, I don't know if we need Ric Flair versus Rick Root. It's a little mm-hmm. heel versus heel. But, you know, Rude should be either champion or close to it agreed <laughs> but we're in orlando we are completely different than philadelphia oh god yes it is <laughs> so what did shane to an extent for us this week well we've been to orlando a couple times i believe we've been there for wrestlemania when we had some mimosas we've been there another time where i think i got some cheesecake is that where we had a um WCW Saturday night, maybe? No, that was in Orlando. Oh, damn. Yeah, like, okay. I can't remember. But yeah, we are in Orlando, and I have been bitching and moaning for a while now that the uh, the state sandwich, or the official sandwich of Florida, is difficult to find here in Oklahoma. Yes. The Cuban sandwich. So I just decided, screw it, I'm going to have a bash and make a little sandwich for me and the fellas, because uh, I can't find one in town that... I said I can't really even find one in town. You might see it at like a, a truck sometimes. Yeah, but that's... this isn't like a food truck town. I'm telling you, the the first Cuban that I had in Oklahoma City was on a food truck. It was Pride Weekend. Oh. And I don't know if I was just that drunk. Yes. Or, I well, mean, I'm sure I was that drunk. But it was an amazing Cuban sandwich, and I've never been able to find that truck it was, ever uh, since. It's like yeah. Marshall on How I Met Your Mother trying to search for the perfect burger. Not a great movie, but it was like your bacon, egg, and cheese, and you were Harley Quinn that night. Maybe. Did you see that movie? No. It's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, we don't have bodegas either. <laughs> no, we don't. I've yeah. been searching for a, a good Cuban, and 
a few years back, I found a recipe where I could make one on my George Foreman grill. And then I came over to do the podcast, and I forgot my George Foreman grill, so I had to improvise with a, uh, a skillet or two. And a brick from the front yard. No, just some skillets <laughs> and pure upper body weight pressing down on it. So I made a, a Cuban sandwich with some, uh, I got a loaf of French bread. I went the in, uh, red, white, and blue tights to make him look like Lex Luger while he was doing it. Uh-huh. Uh, We're working into 4th of July. We nobody wants to see that. Everybody has their audience. <laughs> yeah, I took a uh, loaf of French bread. I went the cheaper route. Instead of making a ham and roasting a pork, I grabbed some uh, sliced deli meats from the uh, wonderful grocery store near me. Some black forest ham and some honey cured ham because it's just hard to find pork sliced around anywhere. Some uh, sandwich stacker pickles, a special Cuban mustard, and some Swiss cheese. Slathered the uh, entire sandwich in some butter and put it into a uh, skillet on medium heat and then put another skillet on top of it and then just smashed it for about three minutes. Flipped it, did the exact same thing until both sides of the sandwich were nice and crispy, the cheese was melty, everything was warmed. Probably could have gone for a little bit longer because it was almost hot enough. Yeah. Yep. Simple, delicious. I have never seen this Cuban mustard before. Me I hadn't either. It's I found it at Walmart. It's just Sam's Club brand. So I'm very much looking forward to uh, looking the next time I'm at the store. Because yeah. I, I love a good Cuban. Oh yeah. The key to a good Cuban, outside of Two kinds of pork, mustard pickles, everything is the key to making it is that you should be able to knock on it like a front door. Yep. You gotta press that down, you gotta toast it up good. You gotta you guys should be able to knock on it and a microphone yeah. picks it up. I'm flicking because I already ate a lot of it. You yeah, already. that's my uh my big beef with most Cubans. Places, most places have the wrong mustard. Yeah, they have the wrong mustard or they put mayonnaise on it mm -hmm. or that's not what you're supposed to do. They don't toast the bread or they just warm it. And it's not a Cuban if it's not flattened and if you crispy. can't knock on it man mm -hmm. you know you can try it if you can knock on it oh yeah while they're munching down on these delicious cuban sandwiches thank you why thank you for bringing those because like i said hey huge it's, fan of the cuban. it's hulk's wcw debut we needed something to celebrate <laughs> but a couple movies would hit theaters the same weekend as the show uh... angels in the outfield and true lies. Is Angels in the Outfield, I get that and Rookie of the Year mix up. I saw so many because. Angels in the Outfield is Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, and that's. JGL. And it, yeah, and, and Jason Gordon Levitt. And that one's a remake. Joseph, Joseph Gordon Levitt. The guy with no personality. Uh, the. Uh, what? I saw Don John. The. Uh, <laughs> um, that was his character. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I like the guy. I just don't love the guy. I've seen the movie where he walks across the wire. The movie sucked too. He was great in that. I don't. I disagree. But I get the the sports, the baseball movies mixed up from the early nineties because there's there were so many. Of them. I saw them all in the theater. Well, this one and Rookie of the Year both came out the same year. Yeah. Saw them both. Angels and in the Outfield, the, where the ghosts come down. Yeah, and that one team. is a remake of like an older movie. Yes. The yeah. kid who just wants a family. Mm -hmm. The other one's more memorable, but I think it's because he like becomes a star from breaking his arm, and that's. Just the kind of far school thing a kid remembers yeah. better. You got pitchers got a big butt in Rookie of the Year. Yes. You got funky butt loving. Lots mm -hmm. of butt stuff apparently in Rookie of the Year. <laughs> I mean, it's baseball. If you're gonna, if you got a man, a nice man butt, it probably looks pretty good in um, baseball pants. Yeah. That's nah. what I've heard about baseball. 
Angels in the Outfield, that one is still still one of my favorites. Just because it came out, yeah, I was, what was this, 1994? So yeah, I was 17 at the time. Yeah, I don't know. It just, it called out to me. Uh, Brenda Fricker, the lady who played the foster mom. Yeah, she she's a spitting image of my mom. And my mom had passed away a few years before this movie. So I went to see this over and over again because Jesus. it was like I'm gonna cry now no <laughs> it was a happy thing I know I'm, I know it is but it's still the angel in <laughs> exactly yeah. no when it's like, oh. there was a Facebook post a few years back that I did where it was I had to list the top 10 movies or something like that over a week's period and that's what I ended on because that movie stands out that one in Home Alone Part 2 just because of her oh yeah I but don't then know True Lies was fucking awesome too ladies. you know what this is gonna be one of these things where you guys yell at me. Okay. The only James Cameron movie I haven't seen is True Lies. That's okay. What? I know. Man. Isn't that crazy? That and I love James crazy. Cameron. I mean, who doesn't love James Cameron? This is Tom Arnold's Golden Globe winning performance. Oh, you want a, you want a globe? Yeah. He was possibly well, nominated for an Oscar. It's possibly my favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger film. Oh, wow. That's high praise. Yeah. I love Arnold. I mean, it's up, it's up there with... Uh, your uh, with the Terminators, your your T twos, your uh, the first two, your Predators, your, your twins. I love twins, but um, I mean Commando. The dumber, the better. Sometimes mm-hmm. uh, a Running Man. Like I just I mean, Total Recall. See, I love, Total Recall, I love huge Running one for me. Man. I love Running Man. Yeah, Running Man also great. Uh, but you know, maybe I'll hit True Lies this weekend. I've been meaning to do it for so long, and I'm like, oh, I'll watch True Lies, and then I miss it. This will, the cast on it, they, they play off each other perfectly. I mean, And then the other one is I haven't seen The Abyss in a really long time, but I, I feel like that movie was really hard to track down for a while. Like but I, probably being but I think but I, this is underrated. Yeah, yeah. I would like to rewatch it as an adult. Maybe I'll do a double feature. I'm, uh, you know, plan on taking vegging the next, vegging out this weekend for sure. And yeah. a do James Cameron America. double feature, it's like, do it for man, America. he hasn't made any bad movies. That's right. You can have all your <laughs> Avatar takes you'd like. It, it's more interesting than a lot of stuff. Do we get part two this year? I hope so. Is that next year? I think it's this year. What's yeah. funny is like it's been so long and every, that movie's so made fun of, but if James Cameron says that you need five Avatar movies, mm-hmm. we need five Avatar movies. It's the just part of the deal. Is, well, I need to go and rewatch Avatar to understand Avatar 2. I don't Probably. Because I don't too. want to rewatch Avatar. Uh, rewatching did not like Avatar it. is very fun. Because it's in the theater. I think that that movie is... The more fun, really the more fun, the more you watch it, but it's not the kind of movie you want to watch all the time. But but it's, it's not. That's the thing. Avatar, like, if you're not watching it in the theater, in the 3D, I personally feel it has no charm, or this, and the story is not good. So it, I consider it James Cameron's worst film. But there are <laughs> spots of... Yeah. But that movie does me no good watching it at home, because the... Stuff that is really good about it is a technical marvel. Yeah, it needs to be seen on the big screen. I think that it is it's worth rewatching. Worth watching, rewatching from a, a like distance and just kind of overthinking the film because there's like it's pretty simple, but there's a lot of stuff going on and you can really pull whatever you want out of it because the movie is such a simple story. That you can get really weird in your head while you watch it because the movie doesn't go there. But you know James Cameron thought a lot about uh, everything. I loved Fern Gully growing up. I hated the movie Pocahontas. But this one is a live action blend of the two of them and I liked it. 
I like that they have sex with their hair, but they also use their hair to ride um, their horses and uh, so and birds. Having sex with their horses? yes, I love the I love the casual bestiality of it. The best thing about the Avatar movie is the ride at Animal Kingdom in Disney. Oh yeah, I believe it's cool. I never got to experience. Cool. Yeah, so I'm not. If you, ever, if you ever go to Disney World, the line for Flight of the Passage is worth the wait. Yeah, I'm not. It's always uh, super long. I don't know if they still have Honey, I Shrunk the Audience at Disney World, but I if don't. they do, you should check it out. That sounds great. It was awesome. I'm not necessarily like an Avatar stan. I don't want to be a Navi. I'm not pro Avatar, but I'm definitely not anti Avatar. That's I watched it not too long ago. I mean, I just said if it was on the theater, yeah, I would go see it again. The yeah. day that I downloaded. Disney Plus. Some, That's what the first thing I watched was was I Avatar. So <laughs> really? people, that rules. I saw so many people watching Avatar on their phones. No. After it came, I'm just like, no. What are you doing? Yeah. Like, I'll watch it at home on my 50 inch TV, but I've on never, phone, yeah. no. I've never watched a movie on my telephone. I haven't either. Wait, I take that back. Wait. I have. I haven't watched a movie. I used to watch several episodes of TV because when I first moved to town, I didn't have cable, and all I had was my iPhone that had unlimited data. So, oh, I mean, that totally makes sense. There's, there's phone circumstances up in a little box, sure. so it would have surround sound that would blast out to me and put it about <laughs> four inches from my face. There are times when I'm not doing anything at some place, and the only thing I have is my phone. So, yeah, totally. I'll throw a movie in. But I mean, that's not the one you put on. You watch uh, exactly my dinner with Andre. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of a movie where only people talk, and that like movie is Sixteen Candles. Life. I've watched that one four million times. That's one I can put on without needing to watch, but just having it in the background, you, I can picture it. I mean, we probably won't even make the episode, but just since you brought it up, hmm. Sixteen Candles or Pretty in Pink? Sixteen Candles. Really? Yep. I feel the exact opposite. I'm always curious whenever people bring those up. Everybody like both those movies. I was the nerdy kid growing up that you know hope to one day find a Jake Ryan. So it was like yeah. I was Anthony Michael Hall instead of Molly Ringwald hoping for a Jake Ryan. Yeah. For I yeah, pretty in pink. Also her dad is played I by Harry Dean Sand. Oh what's it happening? <laughs> I don't know if we should make any of those jokes, but <laughs> Hey, Long Dok Dong is a, a cultural icon. For sure. I like when he uh, wakes up drunk in the front yard. Speaking of cultural icons, yeah. let's talk some Bash the Beach. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, at least one that's going to get in our way. We get narration over footage of Flair and Hogan. And then Tony Schiavone welcomes us to the show, joined by Bobby the Brain Heenan and Mean Gene Okerlund. They preview the matches of the evening before announcing Darren Norwood to sing the national anthem. The thing is like... Mean, I don't know if it's Mean Gene or Tony, but someone's like, it's gonna happen. And Bobby looks so bummed out immediately. And he's like, <laughs> and he's just like, obviously pro Rick, but he's selling it like it's the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And I feel with him throughout this whole mm-hmm. show because he doesn't like bury Hogan, but he does like a Bobby typically would. He legitimately looks like somebody deflated his balloon. Yep. And he's not the only one on this show that looks that way. <laughs> but it's just so nice to be like, Bobby, we know he's the best, and here he just proves it with like, with cunning, and a little honesty. Oh, there's another one for sure. I just I just realized when I was like, who is it? Who is it? Oh, I know who it is. So Darren Norwood, if you're wondering who that is, he was a country singer at the time who had had two top forty songs, um, one called "If It Wasn't for Her," 
I wouldn't have you, and cowboys don't cry. And then a hidden gem if you look it up. Uh, Bad dog, no biscuit. Bad dog, no biscuit. <laughs> so I good. literally listened to both these songs and didn't recognize either one. So cool. Flash in the pan. Yeah, basically. I'm old. I remember the first one, but not enough to actually know the words, except for when he was talking about she could have been true or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> sounds, sounds about right. Pretty much. The boys then tell us that Sting was injured and would send us to footage of what happened on WCW Saturday Night. Uh, I don't know if you can hear my eye roll on camera, but when is Sting not injured? Mm-hmm. Sting would have Flair and a scorpion deathlock when a fan would jump in the ring. Oh my god. Throwing the ref out before raking the eyes of Sting, which brings Hulk Hogan into the ring, hitting an atomic drop on the fan. Hogan then grabs the hair of the fan to drag them, but it's a wig. Who could it be? And it's Sensua Sherry. <gasps> what? Oh my god. Flair attacks Hulk from behind and starts stomping away in him. When Mr. T would show up to help clear the ring. I paid a fool. With Jimmy Hart. <laughs> he Hogan's too? here. Jimmy Hart is Jimmy Not Hart. You know the um, old cartoons where you have the big dog and you get the little yappy dog? Jimmy Hart is Hogan's little yappy dog. We have the big whale and then that little algae eater that just kind of comes <laughs> along. Yeah, Jimmy Hart <laughs> is, the, is all of the little fish that eat the skin <laughs> off your feet. <laughs> Tony then tells us that doctors wouldn't clear Sting from a scratched cornea that he got. Hmm. So they will have to replace him in the TV title shot. Wow. It's amazing. We just had this visual of Sting. So we're going to have Sting and Regal, guys. I mean, I would have been good because Regal's there. Sting's I best. I had this thought when you said scratch cornea. I was like, what if Sting. I have this image of Sting just like partying too hard and uh, doing blow, but he's too fucked up and he actually like hits his eyeball with the straw. <laughs> <laughs> just put him in a blindfold match. <laughs> Get where's Jake Roberts? Right. We might talk about that injury a little bit later. Okay. Cool. Uh oh. The brain would then, of course, have a maybe he should keep an eye out for him joke, <laughs> and then Mean Gene shills for the hotline. Before we head to our first match, Johnny B. Bad versus Lord Steven Regal with Sir William for the WCW Television Championship. Badscape says, when you're hot, you're hot. And he, of course, has got his blasters, and it looks like there's money in the, like, with the glitter. I don't know if they're, like, bad bucks, Johnny B. Bad bucks. WCW's not putting his face on... Money, but I was like, "What if Johnny Bad's just shooting dollar bills, and that's why he's so over?" Which I don't believe is true because <laughs> I honestly do like Johnny B. Bad quite a bit. I'm trying to picture now. Bad so there was a guy in the crowd in a Mickey Mouse shirt who's pointing at a British flag, giving a thumbs down, <laughs> but he doesn't have his fingers in, so it looks like he's waving. <laughs> Did you guys miss this completely? I think I may have. It was the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Wait, this so... This is literally what he was doing. Yeah, he was like trying to... It's like, that's not how you... This is the thumb... This is yeah. how he was doing a thumbs down. Yeah, it looked he like he was like, like robot waving. It's like, no, you got to close your fist, otherwise nobody knows. Yeah. 
Welcome to the Hall of Presents. Yeah, it's like (laughs) rubbing your head and patting your belly or whatever it is. But the match gets going, and the two men lock up, going back and forth with wrist locks, rolling counters, before a really cool near-fall sequence out of a knuckle lock. I love that Johnny can do that little first interaction catch stuff. Johnny's been uh, getting really good at kicking off the show. Yeah. Yeah. Regal keeps going back to a headlock with Johnny escaping with Japanese arm drags. More back and forth until Lord Steven tries for a hammerlock DDT. But Bad slams Regal down, which sends him out to the floor to regroup. Back in the ring, Lord Steven hits several European uppercuts. But Johnny comes back with a hammerlock to ground Regal. Until Lord Steven responds with jumping knees to the chin and a drop kick. I hope they just like plants his shoulder into the mat. Johnny, you bad? Big, big, beefy boy. Bad with a fireman's carry takeover and goes back to work on the arm as both men are covered in glitter. That's a whole lot of glitter. Regal knocks down Johnny with some forearm shots, but Bad keeps control of the arm as we see a shot of Linda Hogan and Chris Lemons. Okay, remind me, who's Chris Lemons? Thunder in Paradise co-star. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Well, of course he's here. He's one of the other fish. Johnny, skin of Hogan's feet. Johnny hits a drop kick and a tilt-a-whirl head scissors, a hip toss, back body drop, and levels Lord Steven with the kiss that don't miss. But Regal rolls out to the floor, so Bad follows out with a plancha. Johnny rolls Lord Steven back into the ring before Sunset flipping himself back in. But Sir William helps Regal momentarily with the umbrella, only for the ref to kick it away allowing Bad to complete the roll-up for the pin. And, and no, no Lord Steven rolls through and cradles up Johnny for the pin. And, and the win. win. Post-match, Bad slingshots Sir William into the ring as Regal is handed the belt on the outside, followed by a back body drop before Sir William can roll out to the floor. William's hat gets end up being left in the ring. So Johnny stomps on it and tosses it out to the crowd. It's so funny to see how much hair that man has under there. Mm-hmm. That little hat, you don't expect all that hair under that little hat. The, I mean, this is the kind of match you are, we're used to getting out of Steven Regal. Just a good, compelling match. Uh, it's normally in the first couple of matches, but it being the first one with bad being around for a while, being over, being flamboyant, and at this point... He's not going to lead a match, but he can hang. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It made me wonder. I mean, it was it was a decent match. It made me wonder what the hell we would have got out of Sting and Regal. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's like, oh, Sting and Regal next to Bad and Regal? Cut the crowd sound out. Like, at the end of the day, like, how do you feel about each match? We go to Tony and Bobby, and they're talking as the ring is being cleaned up. And they continue to preview some of the matches, but Heenan then says he has to go to the back to check on something. They then send it to the ring, where Mean Gene is there with Antonio Inoki. The Great. Who we haven't seen since Battlefield 94, episode 109. And he's fresh into being, I don't know exactly what the title is, but they explain that it's like a senator. He's newly senator type of position uh, in Japanese politics. Yep. Oakland then awards a lifetime award for his contributions to pro wrestling to Antonio. 
when all of a sudden, Regal is there getting back into the ring, interrupting to ask why he hasn't received an award. He got a plaque? Where's my plaque? I'm in the house of lords, you know. <laughs> he calls him a supposed legend, and I'm like, damn, Regal, you're having fun right now, aren't you? Lord Steven calls himself far superior to Anoki and starts running him down. He says that he just beat all of Japan. I'd like to see those matches. So Antonio begins to take his jacket off, and the crowd really pops for him. Look at the chin. You can't... That that man does not have a glass jaw. You can't not look at that chin. Oh, man. He has one of the greatest faces of all time. Mm-hmm. As Regal is leaving the ring, we hear him say, I'm sick of these bloody legends, as he had just dealt with Larry Zabisco. So I ask, who's the real legend killer? I mean, he gifted that name to. Yeah, him. who's the legend killer that all said and done? We, we'd uh, we'd still like to go to dinner with Stephen Regal. Giovanni, <laughs> <laughs> like is... Randy's on my list. <laughs> oh yeah, Randy for sure. For some reason, I was thinking Chris Jericho. That's my oh. bad. Well, Randy would be a blast to hang out with. You know that man uh, will drink and eat a steak bigger than his own head. I know he likes IHOP. Oh, does he? Yeah. You wouldn't think the man ever had a carb in his life. Shivani is then joined by Jesse the Body Ventura for the next couple of matches. I think he had he uh, oh and had to remind Jesse that he was on, we're on live TV. He goes and Jesse <laughs> oh. says, "Oh, yeah." I was like, "Oh," when Matt was like, "Oh, there's another guy," and I was like, "Who is it?" Oh, yes, I remember. <laughs> yeah, Jesse. Let's just say Hillman. The newest arrival to WCW don't get along, Mm-mm. and so therefore Jesse doesn't really want to be here. And yeah, he I, doesn't give a hulking fuck about it. He's not here much longer. Yeah, I mean, which is a bummer because we love Jesse, but Bobby's here now, and Bobby and Tony have a great thing going. But it's nice to see them swap out because we because Jesse and Tony also kill it together too mm-hmm. when jesse's having a good time when jesse is walking around with babes and being like verbose the verbose asshole mm-hmm. whereas heenan's like the weaselly you know obviously he's the weasel but you know what i mean it's <laughs> we had something good somebody showed up to fuck it up and apparently jesse has wrestled anoki before he says that yeah it was probably he said, he said I think he said it was like seventy seven. So that was a long time yeah, ago. Would be surprised if it was no, not at all in Japan somewhere. Yeah. So we head to our second match: Vader with Harley Race versus the Guardian Angel. Oh no, not him! So as Vader is being checked on by the ref, Harley gets in the Angel's face. So Guardian Angel dumps him out to the floor, allowing Vader to attack him from behind. Yeah, I'm mistaking him for an inner-city drug dealer. (laughs) Stiff shots, headbutt, spin kick by Vader, who then misses a clothesline, allowing Angel to hit a back suplex and a body slam. We see Hank Aaron, Anoki, and president of WCW Bill Shaw watching from the crowd. Guardian Angel then with a clothesline, so Vader rolls out to the floor, with Angel following out, where Race gets involved only to be punched down, allowing Vader again to attack from behind. Get him, Vader. Back in the ring, Vader's back to the stiff shots, but Guardian Angel fights back, but a reversed Irish whip leads to Vader hitting an avalanche splash. Vader goes up to the middle rope and comes off with a flying sunset flip, 
only for Angel to just sit down on top, but an eye rake and a short arm clotheslines keeps Vader in control. Vader starts working the leg before hitting a Vader bomb. I know, weird that he worked the leg. They even, Tony was even like, hmm, Vader, working the leg. Nice. They probably both needed a breather. <laughs> <laughs> he then follows it up with a top rope Vader salt, but he hurts his own ribs. Oh, no. So Harley goes up to the top rope, going to come off with a headbutt, but Guardian Angel is there to meet him, to press slamming down to the mat before clotheslining Vader over the ropes and to the floor. You know what? I was really happy that at least Harley took the flat back and not the head trauma. Yeah. Because he's been missing these headbutts for like five years in WCW now as a manager, and it always hurts for me to watch because I'm like, it's Harley Race. You don't have to do that. But it was like, well, at least it was a back bump. That's a little better, I feel like. Maybe... Angel tosses Race from the ring and then slides out to the floor to deliver right hands before bringing Vader in with a vertical suplex. I mean, that's a, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of meat. Guardian Angel continues the attack with a shoulder block and knocks Vader into the ref. Ref bump. Which allows Harley to hand a police baton to Vader. Yeah, it's like one of the, the extendo ones, Angel, scary ones. You're not supposed to have one of those anymore. I know. But Angel is right on the attack so it is never used by Vader. Guardian Angel then picks up the baton, but the ref sees it and calls for the bell and the DQ. (laughs) I mean, it would have been nice to see Guardian Angel get his... That's what you get for trying to be Batman, Guardian Angel, with your fucking... (laughs) It's The kids aren't the problem, it's the system, man. Your street justice. Vader delivers a clothesline to Angel before leaving the ring. Good for you, Vader. We go to Tony and Jesse, and Shivani asks Ventura who his pick for the main event is. And he quickly responds with an annoyed, I've already made my pick, Nature Boy Ric Flair. Yeah, he's <laughs> totally not playing ball. At least Bobby is like, got an angle, but Jesse, it looks like he's absolutely miserable. Shivani sends it to a shot in the back where Mike Tanay and Chris Cruz are trying to get interviews with guys for the hotline. I think this is the first time we've seen Mike Tanay on air. I mean, we've heard his name a couple times. Yeah. It's the first time we've seen him. And the second time, at least, that we've heard about the hotline tonight. <laughs> Just tonight, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Tony then sends it to some footage of the Rhodes Bunkhouse Buck feud. And we see a shot from Spring Stampede where Buck hits the natural with DFO to win the match. Funk delivering his promo at Slamboree on Dusty and Dustin before coming to the ring to hit Rhodes with his cattle prod, which allows Terry and Bunkhouse Buck to team up to beat the natural down. On a WCW Saturday night, Dustin asks Arn Anderson to be his partner, and then on Clash 27, Double A says yes. Shivani then shows us footage of a dark match, where local radio hosts locked it up, but we get a Tony's Wife Lois reference from Ventura. I know. I was like, oh, I don't know if we heard about Lois yet. The uh, It was weird that they showed the like shock jock it dark made no match. Sense. I yeah. don't know. I assume that those guys like did like discounted promotion locally or something. Right. So they like were like, okay, well, we'll do your thing. And who was the girl that they were wrestling? I have no clue. Okay. I, I don't Once know. I realized that it I feel didn't like... matter, I didn't give it really <laughs> I feel like it was somebody that we've actually 
Oh, I guess just with mine just says oh Molly McShane was her name. Yeah, I got the name down. Damn, how did I miss that name? I know. I could have just been Molly McShane. <laughs> yeah, you could have. Instead of I mean, because I because I have it like buried in the notes. I'm like, where? I think I wrote it down. Yeah, this is the the feud longer than a caravan cowboy caravan to the west coast. I don't know. There's got to be something. I was gonna say Trail of Tears, but that's not a good joke. Cattle drive. Cattle drive. Yeah, I was thinking a lot about like you know it's like oh well the gold rush, you know everyone went out. This has been going on for a while. It's going on longer than we've been waiting on Avatar sequels. <laughs> for sure. And I think that we might have like have had one good bunkhouse, Dustin match. So we got our third match: Bunkhouse Buck and Terry Funk <gasps> with Colonel Robert Parker. And Ming. Why Ming? Where'd Ming come from? Versus the natural Dustin Rhodes and the enforcer Arn Arn Anderson. Anderson. And when Arn Anderson did agree to join Dustin, he was like, it's not going to be the blah, blah, blah. It's going to be the mean. We might get hurt. We might hurt them. Arn Anderson. So, you know, we got a good solid Anderson promo that's been spammed for good reason. We haven't seen Ming since he was Haku. All the way back at Royal Rumble 1992, uh, Haku. episode 66. Man, we all we all stand a Haku. Mm-hmm. And I have a fun note for you. This show, I don't know if you guys realize the dates or not, but it was exactly one day after Heat Wave 94. Jesus, Jesus, Terry. So. Jesus, Terry. literally did the barbed wire match. It was like 11, it was only 11 minutes long, but he was uh, wrapped up in... And then got on a plane and went to Orlando. Oh, man. And you know he probably made like $500 at the ECW show. Maybe maybe $1,000 max. But at that point, he's the highest paid. And if, if they offered $1,000, he's like, okay, well, I split it with my brother. <laughs> it's like, and maybe transportation. That's some, uh, but WCW will cover his transportation. Right you know WCW's covering the transportation. Paulie's not covering the transportation. Oh, yeah. So we get Arn and Buck to start, and they go back and forth with no one gaining an advantage. But once Rhodes comes in, it's clubbering time mm-hmm. on Bunkhouse Buck. Hmm. Terry tags in, but Dustin won't allow him into the ring, continually just punching him out to the floor, where Funk goes crazy and starts swinging at Parker and me. Oh, you know, the, the Terry Funk special. Back in the ring, Terry's delivering chops, elbows, body slam, and belittling the natural for being a Rhodes. So Dustin comes back with a multiple body slams on both Funk and Buck before throwing them both over the ropes, which Parker starts complaining about, but the ref didn't see any of it. Bill Watts is gone. It's still a rule. Is it still a rule? I just never it's know. Rule. It's a rule when they want it to be a rule. I know. I don't like want when I feel like it. Don't worry. Red and yellow are here, and they like to throw people over the top rope, so it'll yeah. be gone soon. Yeah. I would like to see him DQ'd. <laughs> Once back in the ring, the natural hits atomic drops to the stud stable before Irish whipping Bunkhouse Buck into Terry. But Funk is able to back suplex out of the headlock. Buck sends Rhodes to the ropes, only for him to come back with a crossbody that Bunkhouse Buck ducks, sending the natural falling out of the ring and down the ring steps to the floor. I know it's splat style, because I'm like, did they forgot? Like, the ramp isn't there. 
we normally have like the catwalk ramp it's mm. been it's been a staple for a few years now quite a few years it feels like in wcw and it's not there and there's the stairs normally he would fall onto that and i feel like there's a few spots on this show where guys like kind of forget that it's steps and not the catwalk because they'll take a bump to the floor in that area and you're like oh like your shoulder into the little step and the steps are in a weird spot because they're always in the corner in like wwf and stuff very um yeah that's when i noticed i was like the catwalk where's the catwalk yeah. i like the catwalk hogan doesn't like catwalks i don't care what hogan oh. likes <laughs> Terry comes over and slams Dustin's head into the guardrail before throwing Rhodes back into the ring, where Buck continues the attack with an ab stretch, using leverage from Funk. Terry comes in to hit a reverse neckbreaker and a pile driver, but Anderson makes the save on the cover. Funk sends the natural to the ropes, where they shoulder block each other for the double KO. But Terry lands in his corner, so he's able to tag in Bunkhouse Buck. Dustin starts getting double teamed by the stud stable. I know, I'm like, I want double A. When the enforcer has just had enough. He starts so he, calling to the crowd. So he comes God. over to help make the save, but the ref puts him back in his place, allowing Funk to continue the attack. I mean, they're really setting up a fucking hot tag. I'm mm-hmm. just like, oh, it's going to be so good when Arn gets in here. Rhodes begins to fight his way out of the corner with right hands. Wild swings. Bionic elbows to everyone before Irish whipping Buck into Terry. Dustin follows with a back body drop on both guys, multiple double noggin knockers, and a flip-flop fly on Funk, before clotheslining Bunkhouse Buck over the ropes to the floor. And Arn is really pumped up on the side, like more energy that you've seen, like Arn Anderson ever on an apron. It looks like he's standing behind his buddy in an arcade and his buddy's like about to uh, <laughs> Break beat the high score. Yeah, beat Bison on Street Fighter for the first time. <laughs> like it's like it's it's uh, it's intense. Rhodes hits a lariat on Terry, makes the cover for a two count, while Buck has climbed to the top rope, where the natural knocks him down to crotching and press slamming onto Funk. I mean that's nice. Colonel Parker then jumps on the apron. But he is knocked down by Dustin before making his way over for the hot tag. Double A jumps in the ring, but he immediately grabs Rhodes and hits a DDT. Are you kidding me? He then rolls Terry on top of him for the pin and And the the win. win. Post-match, Arn tries to break the natural's arm while the stud stable holds him down. Just stomping that beat. Until officials finally hit the ring to break it up. I mean, what a double, what a nice little double cross. Yeah, double A, double cross. Like, it's seated well in the that first promo. You don't expect it, and it comes don't. in, and the thing is that you don't even tease it. It goes straight to it, which is so much more effective. That's uh, that's good That's good booking. The wise uh, veteran that was informing and enforcing the, uh, the young upstart, mm-hmm. and then had to put him in his place. The other thing I kind of noticed on the show was, like, was this on TV? Because it feels like they go to commercial breaks at parts where it like fades to black and they'll be, we'll be right back. That's just your peacock. Okay. Cause it, but it feels like they even kind of almost sell to it. And I'm like, this this could not have been on TV. Mm-mm. That's a bad idea. We got, uh, you know. Only the, clashes are on the, TV. Uh, I almost said orange and black attack. That's not right. <laughs> yep. Red and, red and uh, yellow go to hell. Uh, Hulk Hogan, please. Thank you. Mean Gene catches up with Anderson and the stud stable as they're headed back to the locker room. And the enforcer tells him if he wants answers to come on back to the party. He's not giving up shit. 
And Okerlund says, I guess they don't want to talk about what just happened. And I'm like, no, he just told you to come to the back. Yeah, Arn Anderson said, kick rocks, find me later. Tony is then joined again by Heenan and also Hank Aaron. And Shivani asks the home run king, who's going to win the main event? Aaron says he's pulling for both guys. So the brain chimes in that Hank is running for president in four years and calls him a so-so hitter. Oh, my God. But that is honestly prime Bobby Heenan. Standing next to Hank Aaron, Hank Aaron's like, oh, I don't know, I like both the guys. He doesn't know shit about wrestling. I mean, I assume so, otherwise he wouldn't have an answer like that. And then he's like, oh, well, this guy's just a fucking politician over here and then calls him a so-so hitter. And that's just prime, prime Bobby. That's our Bobby. Tony then announces Fall Brawl 94 before they discuss the last match. Uh, War Games, a scary nuke thing where it's like, oh, <laughs> they do like the CGI nuke and everything like f- fades out. It's kind of scary. Bobby then sends a message out to Dusty Rhodes telling him to come pick up his kid in, with the pickup truck. And but the crowd doesn't really like that comment. <laughs> no. Come pick him up, bring him home. I know you're out in Hollywood. Early in the show, Bobby says something about him being in a movie or a movie shooting called like Time Masters. And I tried to look it up and I was like, is there a movie that has Bobby Heenan? Could you imagine if like Bobby Heenan was the announcer of like, you know, Running Man 2 straight to VHS? Would that not just be the greatest? Oh, he would have been great as yeah. uh, the TV host in Running Man. Like, yeah, God. or like a long-running series yeah, of like rollerball rollerball movies with like you know the, the the like the third rollerball. James Con didn't show back up, <laughs> but J- but Bobby Heenan's here. We didn't get Mean Gene in the back with Ric Flair and Sensuous Sherry. The Natural Boy talks up what Arn Anderson just did. How about Double A? But then he turns serious when talking about Hogan. Standing room only for the main event. Dignitaries from all over the world are here. Because the greatest of all time is going to walk the aisle and the immortal one becomes history. And then Sherry chimes in that Hulk has to beat the man to be the man. We then head to our fourth match. Ricky, the Dragon Steamboat, versus stunning Steve Austin. For the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship. I mean, this is what dreams are made of. Yeah, it is. It's pre-Stone Cold, Hollywood Blonde, Heel Austin. Post-Hollywood Blonde, Heel Austin, which is I'm just a huge fan of. Pre-knee, pre-you know, pre-knee brace, because there's a big difference in the way that he works. And uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, the Best wrestler with no personality. Austin's tights say Dragon Slayer on them. Ooh-wee. And Dragon comes out full gear, fire breathing. The dragon head guys to the left and right. He's got the, the wings. He's looking good. So the match gets going with Stunning Steve attacking from behind, going after Steamboat's knee. But Ricky fights back with chops before kicking Austin into the ring post, following up with a virgin of old school and a hammerlock body slam. And Rick was the guy that ended Steve's last reign of the title as well. So this is a a rematch. A television title. Television title. Okay, of sorts. Uh, also, there's maybe the best wrestling t-shirt I've ever seen in the crowd. Just quick shot. But you know the doctored photos of um, like Ric Flair with Elizabeth. Elizabeth? There's a guy that has that 
airbrushed on a t-shirt and i think that that might be the coolest wrestling shirt that's ever existed (laughs) and uh yeah i need i need to get to the state fair quick (laughs) stunning steve comes back with right hands and goes to the second rope but he's drop kicked into a tree of woe hanging to the outside so ricky starts working him over from the floor i mean how often do you see a tree of woe on steve austin Back in the ring, an arm wrench heel kick, and the dragon begins working the arm. And while running the ropes, Austin Knee gives on a leapfrog. But everyone knows he's just playing possum, including Steamboat. He's not dumb. He's so just he just continues the beat down with stomps, a hip toss, and a drop kick to send stunning Steve out to the floor. Austin ends up dragging the dragon out as well. He starts to deliver more right hands, but then runs off as Steamboat fires up, forcing Ricky to chase him around ringside and into the ring, where Stunning Steve gets the advantage momentarily, only for the dragon lock on a sleeper before rolling him up for a two count. I love the shitty heel thing of run around, slide into the ring, you can stomp him out. Uh, yeah, like the... Said it over the last handful of, the last year of Austin matches, but it's like, oh, I see so much of what Jay White has been doing in New Japan in, like, this version of Steve Austin, like, post-Blondes, pre-Stone Cold, where yep. I'm just like, oh, it's so good. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, this is why, you know, he wasn't the uh, top of the card, but, I mean, Steve Austin stood out to me as somebody that, I, I mean, to pay attention to because yeah, these last at least twenty four months plus, like the WCW undercard has been full of great shit, mm-hmm. full of the future of wrestling. Oh my god, <laughs> Shane Douglas isn't here. Uh, we love him. I wish he was. I honestly wish he was here. Ricky goes back to the arm, only for Austin to escape with a mule kick to the dragon scales, before hitting several clotheslines and a back suplex. The steamboat won't stay down until he stumbles to the outside. Stunning Steve hits a vertical suplex to bring the dragon back into the ring, and he goes for a back suplex as well. But Ricky floats over and hits a choke lift before going back to the arm. Both men are running the ropes when Austin goes for a leapfrog, but Steamboat catches him and they stumble down to the mat for a two-count. The dragon runs the ropes again, but this time Stunning Steve catches him and hits an Alabama slam. Oh, no followed by a middle rope knee drop, pounding away into the corner where Ricky trips up Steve and then catapults him into the ring post, cradling him up for a near fall. Stunning Steve fires right back with a clothesline and reverses a whip for a backdrop and regains control with a chin lock, where Steamboat attempts an electric chair backdrop to escape, but it's blocked. Austin then with several pin attempts and a knuckle lock but the dragon won't stay down. So Stunning Steve tries for a splash, only for Ricky to get his knees up. Steamboat's stalking after Austin, but a kick to the midsection allows Stunning Steve to hit a body guillotine on the ropes. Austin pulls his knee pad down, charging at the dragon, but he's caught for a stun gun across the ropes. Hmm, a stun gun Which was on always, Austin. always one of Austin's moves. Uh-huh. Yeah. Both men end up on the apron with Stunning Steve shoving Ricky off right into a guardrail. But Steve Boat comes back by shoving Austin into the ring post. Posted. 
Back into the ring, the dragon flies off the top with a judo chop. Judo chop! Mounted punches. Back body drop and chops for a two count. The crowd's going wild. Stunning Steve rakes the eyes Ooh. and goes to throw Ricky over the top rope for the DQ. But Steamboat skins the cat. How many cats do you think this man has skinned? He comes back in and slams Austin's head on the turnbuckle. So Steve tries to back body drop the dragon out. Only for Ricky to skin the cat once again. Coming back in to cradle Austin up for a near fall. We get multiple pinning sequences for two counts before a tombstone pile driver reversal sequence when Steamboat it's climbing up top for a crossbody, only for Stunning Steve to yank the ref in front of him to take the blow. Ref bump. It's so good. Energy is good. But the dragon lands on his feet, and the ref just begins to threaten a DQ to Austin. But Ricky begs him not to do it. And the match continues. Ah, I mean, Ricky, you're scaring me. Begging off the ref, you're scaring me. Steamboat starts running the ropes, and he hits a crossbody for real this time. But Stunning Steve rolls through for a two count. (gasps) Tries for the pin again with his feet on the ropes for the win. Wow. I know. What if Steamboat would have just, like, broke and, like, kicked him in the nuts and flipped him off? That would have been fucking perfect. (laughs) oh my god but yeah this is Austin is working like Austin he's using his move set but he's kind of the smarter less verbose like Rick Rude it's like oh like this this is how Rick Rude wins uh, beats Steamboat it works it makes sense but you get I mean this was a fucking great match (laughs) this was a really great match Tony then shows us Chris Cruz and Mike Tanay speaking to Pretty Wonderful in the back. And the brain says, Shivani, who is going to win the next match? And he says, Cactus Jack and Sullivan. Because there's no way to defend against them. He even says, you can get one of them big white sports coats with the arms in the back. <laughs> that's how you beat them. Straight Jack. Oh, yeah. That's what yeah. that's called. Smart. Sports coat. Tony then sends it to the back where Mean Gene walks into the stud stable party. And Okerlund wants a word with Arn. As Buck opens some champagne, Anderson is sitting on a couch with some ladies. Cigars, champagne, honeys, you know. It looks pretty good being a heel. We got Funk yelling about Rhodes. Parker chimes in that the Enforcer is the most honorable man. But then Double A steps to the mic. Less than a year ago. I was laying in a hospital bed. Thanks, Sid. Half to death. And I thought to myself, why? So I decided I'm going to do what I think is right. Dustin, I told you if you wanted me to be in the match, you would have to take the old Arn Anderson, who would smack his granny in the mouth for 50 cents. You said fine, whatever it takes. Dustin rides, you got it tonight. You made a pact with the devil, and the devil called his marker in a little bit soon. Nice. I mean, that's my Arn. Yeah, Arn's like the kind of the. I mean, he's the least celebrated best guy in wrestling, right? If Arn Anderson and Ricky Steamboat were combined <sighs> as one person, Oof. would Oof. they not be the Oof. best? wrestler in the world oh my god 
Yeah, it'd be great. It'd be perfect. One day. <laughs> One day we'll get somebody that could. Yeah, we'll, we'll get little Arnie Steamboat. One of these days. <laughs> Arnie Steamboat. Ricky Anderson. Mm. So we head to our fifth match. Pretty wonderful. A pretty Paul Roma and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff versus Cactus Jack and Kevin Sullivan with Dave Sullivan for the WCW World Tag Team Championships. Pretty, 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 pretty wonderful. Pretty Wonderful is a really good tag team name. Mm -hmm. And it's also funny because we got like a couple of lumps of clay versus some chiseled boys. I mean, Roma's looking as good as he ever has right now with his very like Ken doll face. So last time we saw Roma was at Starcade 93. That was episode 107. While we saw Orndorff at Super Brawl 4, which was episode 112. And we've been I've been an Orndorff stand for the last handful of handful of eps. And Dave must be a big Hogan fan as he's in Hulkster pajamas. <sighs> Fucking Dave. Uh you guys notice the fan or WCW magazine guy, I call him, where he just has a WCW magazine and whoever is in a match, he like flips to a page that has a photo of that guy and like points at it. He's like, yeah. Does he do it? No, because I think that hand's holding the magazine. Oh. So it's a different I saw the guy. the one guy that looked like Hogan. Wayne Coyne. Oh, then we have, we have, oh, I, didn't, I don't know if I saw him. <laughs> we did have two Hogans in the crowd. So the match gets going with pretty wonderful stalling and posing for quite some time. Starts using some technical moves to frustrate Jack and Kevin. But Cactus Jack bites Roma to get it going, with Sullivan coming in for them to hit some double-team maneuvers. Orndorff with an Irish whip of Kevin, only for Jack to be there to cushion the blow. But when Pretty Wonderful attempt the same thing, Sullivan just reverses the whip back to the original corner. Pretty Wonderful roll out to regroup, but once back in the ring, Orndorff starts laying it on Jack. Knocking him out to the floor, trying to slam his head on the guardrail, but it's blocked. And then Mr. Wonderful and Pretty Paul are knocked down to the outside from double T moves. And Paul Orndorff and Paul Roma look so good together. Roma's jacked, and it feels like they just should be a tag team. Like they Something done should have been Pauls. a tag team. Something about those Pauls. They're really good. Being pretty, I mean, well, I mean, Orndorff's got a hell of a face. Pretty wonderful. But Roma makes up for it. By being pretty. Yes. Back in the ring, Kevin is taken to a corner, but finds his way out with chops and right hands, followed by a double noggin knocker on Pretty Wonderful. The champs begin to work the arm of Orndorff until Mr. Wonderful buries some knees to the stomach of Cactus Jack, and Roma comes in to do the same. That's the thickest part of Cactus Jack. Jack counters a suplex attempt of Orndorff's, and Sullivan comes in with multiple turnbuckle smashes on both members of Pretty Wonderful. Then reverts back to the arm work as the crowd begins to do the wave. Oh, is it because Kevin Sullivan's in the ring? And Heenan says they're only about 14 years behind the times. Love it. <laughs> is the wave really that old? It seems like... I feel yeah. like the wave's probably been around for a Yeah, like forever. It's been around since I was a kid, so... Yeah, for sure. Same. But if a crowd starts doing the wave during your match... Not a good sign. I should tell you something. And it's when Kevin Break out the beach ball. Pier 6 brawl breaks out. Orndorff hits a pile driver on Kevin for a two count as Dave slips the foot onto the ropes. 
Sullivan then escapes Mr. Wonderful's grasp with the jawbreaker, but Pretty Paul regains control with right hands in the corner, a body slam, and heads up top for an elbow drop for a two count. Orndorff hits his shaky knee elbow drop for a near fall, applies a sleeper hold, but Kevin escapes by ramming Mr. Wonderful into the turnbuckles. Roma with several elbow drops, and the two men both hit shoulder tackles, which causes Sullivan to stumble to the wrong corner, where Pretty Paul delivers a running knee. Roll. Roll bowling ball he is. Orndorff charges into a corner, only to receive a big boot from Kevin. Pretty Paul comes in with a clothesline to regain control. A back body drop from Mr. Wonderful, and Roma goes for a top rope splash. But Sullivan moves out of the way and crawls to the corner for the... Hot tag. Cactus Jack's in with rights and lefts on Orndorff, followed by a body guillotine and a clothesline. Pretty Paul is body slammed by Jack and then tossed from the ring by Kevin, while Jack hits the double arm DDT on Mr. Wonderful. What could that mean? Cactus Jack makes the cover, but the ref is dealing with Sullivan. Oh my god, Kevin! So you, Jack that's your buddy, gets, the visual pin. So Jack gets up and starts running the ropes only for Roma to trip him up from the outside. Orndorff then rolls on top of him, while Pretty Paul holds his feet down. For the pin, and, and the win. And new! Pretty wonderful tag team I champions. Mean, pretty wonderful uh, little... Like, I like the way that they won. You could see it all. It was not the crispiest, but we all knew what was going on. And it looked really good. It was like just out of the corner. It wasn't it was it was good. I'm glad it, just it wasn't I'm glad it wasn't the nasty boys that like won the title or some shit. I'm glad that it was pretty wonderful and that it, we got it on some heels and they're a tag team cactus jack. Just makes me wonder if plan was for pretty wonderful to win the belts all along, or if this was payback or punishment for Cactus Jack spitting on the belt over over and ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I mean they already wanted to kind of get rid of Jack so I think that it was just like okay well you know he's on his way out they know he's on his way out they got and he doesn't even like so. Jack doesn't even have a solid tag team partner he's got Kevin Sullivan and before that he had fucking Dave, well, guitar guy what was that guy guitar guy Max, Max, Payne. Max Payne and then before that he had Dave Sullivan or something Right? Yep. Yeah. That's why Kevin so, came back. So, I mean, you know, pretty wonderful. Better than Cactus Jack and Max Payne. Come on. We go to Tony and Bobby, and they're talking about the main event. And Shivani says, everyone has been thrilled that Hogan has joined WCW. Say what? And the brain chimes in that he isn't, and we're all with you, Heenan. Got you back, Bobby. I love you, Robert Heenan. Michael Buffer then announces Commissioner Nick Bockwinkle... And Shaquille O'Neal to the ring. Bobby does, he just says random things so nicely, but such a perfect encapsulation of our feelings is he says, Hogan should be sweeping. <laughs> it's like, what a fucking, like, simple, small thing to say. But it's like, yeah, give this man a broom. <laughs> Get him off my TV. So we go to our sixth match. The Nature Boy, Ric Flair, with Sensuous Sherry. Versus Hulk Hogan with Jimmy Hart and Mr. T for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. I would like to point out, Michael Buffer, of course, Nick Bockwinkle, Shaquille O'Neal gets his whole entrance, 
He's Shaq's got his little sideburns. He looked terrible. But they say that he endorses all sport. You guys remember that? It was like pre-Powerade, okay, like yeah, Gatorade thing. And I was like, all sport, weird. But yeah, they're giving it the big match feel. Michael Buffer's here, of course. But the champion comes out first. Foreshadowing? Nope. From Rogue Farmers. I mean, no, I will not allow it to be. We haven't seen Mr. T since all the way back at WrestleMania 2. That's crazy. Which was episode 7. Michael Buffer then says those famous words, and we are ready for the matchup of the century. American Made. Do you guys remember the chorus from American Made? American Made. We That's are American, American Made. made. <laughs> <laughs> that might as well be, because I can't remember it either. And I listened to it, Tom, when I watched the show, and I was like, i to look this one up again. Are you this talking is, Hogan's song? Yes, Hogan's WCW oh, okay. song. And it's just like, oh. He's got the red, white, and blue running through his veins. <laughs> but yeah. He is American. It's not. That's not what it is. I can't even think of what it is. Hmm. Maybe we'll hear it later. Who knows? Hopefully not. Oh, my God. So the two men get into each other's faces when the nature boy just shoves Hogan, followed by multiple shoulder blocks from Hulk. Flair dodges a tie-up and does some strutting, and then Hogan decides that he would look cool doing the same. No. Nope. But he doesn't. No. Then he does the, I can't hear you. She brings something new. I already missed like, the Hogan that we saw in Japan. Where are the booze at? Remember when Hogan came out? Like, where were we when he came out for WCW? But like, That's why they brought Shaq. And he booed a bunch. That Everyone was, booed. It was But where was it? Atlanta. Oh, and they, had, they were just like, fuck this. Yeah. Atlanta... Not or no, it was Carolina. So, oh yeah, even yeah. even more booze probably then. But like, yeah, so where are the Florida. booze? I need booze. They're in, they're in Hogan country right now. I know, now. I know they are, but I hate it and I want everyone to boo. Yeah. Nate works an arm only for Hulk to reverse it into a cross arm breaker after a few moments. There, there's the Hogan we saw in Japan. Well, he does that, some that cross breaker. Yeah, an, uh, yeah, arm work. Uh, I love, Bobby says he's going to call it down the middle, so Rick is justified. But the nature boy escapes out to the floor to hide behind Sherry, who is daring Hogan to swing at her. Back in the ring, Hulk corners Flair on the ropes and paint brushes him, which fires up Nature, only for Hogan to toss him into the turnbuckle. Multiple right hands and a running clothesline for a Flair flop. Hulk tries for a big boot, but again the nature boy bails to the outside hiding behind Sensuous Sherry. Back into the ring, Nate catches Hogan with a knee and some chops before hitting the rolling knee drop, only for Hulk to move to avoid. Just take the knee. Hogan with mounted punches in the corner follows it up with a clothesline and several turnbuckle smashes. And Hulk starts running the ropes when Sherry grabs a boot, allowing Flair to hit a leaping knee to the back. Good on you, Sherry. The Nature Boy chops Hogan out of the ring, where Sensuous Sherry grabs a chair. But Jimmy Hart makes the save, so Nate comes out to slam his head into a guardrail. I love that Bobby's like, Sherry's the, Sherry's the kind of lady Scarface needed. The kind of guy that Michael Corleone needed. After rolling Hulk back in, Flair comes off the top with a single sledge before hitting a rolling knee drop. The Nature Boy starts chopping away again, but Hogan responds with shots of his own. Only for Nate to take down Hulk with a double leg takedown and try for a leverage pin. Hogan with the clothesline, but then Flair goes low 
and snapmares Hulk into a chin lock, which Hogan eventually elbows out of before whipping the Nature Boy to the corner for a flare flip out to the apron. So Hulk clotheslines him down to the floor. You know they they haven't had a match. Hogan can't just do that. He can't. You gotta you gotta have it happen once. We know Hogan hasn't watched tape. I don't believe Hogan's watched tape. He should have been outsmarted by the flare flop. Flip. Not the flop, the flip. Flip. But yeah, I hate that he hit it the first time. It should have happened again and maybe hits it, but it made my stomach drop into my balls. My balls drop into my big toe. Those are hanging pretty far down there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Now now I only only wear Uggs to protect my big toe. Hogan follows out to hit a back suplex before bringing Nate back into the ring with a vertical suplex. He goes for the leg drop, but the Nature Boy is able to move in time. Flair tries to lock in the figure four, but Hulk cradles him up for a two count. So Nate tries again, only for Hogan to kick him off multiple times. The Nature Boy picks up Hulk for a stalling vertical suplex, but it's no sold. No way. And Hogan with right hands and a big boot for the pin. And no, Sherry pulls Randy Anderson out of the ring. That girl, girl. Sensuous Sherry then plants a shoe between Jimmy Hart's eyes, which distracts Hulk long enough for Nate to chop blocking from behind. Sherry climbs to the top and he comes off with a splash before the Nature Boy applies the figure four as Nick Patrick climbs into the ring. There's just something about Sherry splashing off the top rope. So good. It's it's almost like it's drawn by an artist where she climbs up the rope and she comes to the end and she's like, it's, there's no delay, no setting up, no nothing. She just gets right there and boop, she's off. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's one motion. Yep. It's like normally, it's like there's the motion of getting to the turnbuckle and then like taking the like, a few seconds to like steady yourself but it's just like hers just it's just wild yeah she's yeah. like a toddler on uh-huh. a water slide or like a seal like right like, up I there never, and boop, i don't down. think about anything i'm just a seal <laughs> but that moment where rick's kicked off from the figure four or whatever a couple times and then he goes to do the suplex on hogan and i'm yelling in my room watching this my desk writing notes and I'm like attack the leg why are you trying to suplex him attack the leg mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's just man I this got me worked up that's for sure Hogan is able to crawl to the ropes to break the hold but does get choked by sensuous Sherry's stockings get him girl get, mm-hmm. her, get him girl you got him get him Make Flair, him, turn him into a girl Flair stays on the knee as Hulk stumbles around the ring Swishing to chops until Hogan starts no-selling him. Ugh, I hate it. How can you tell? Because he's shaking his stupid <laughs> fucking head. Hulk charges into a corner, only to receive a back elbow. So Nate and Sherry both head up top. With sensual Sherry missing another splash. And Hogan is up to press slam the nature boy down to the mat. Hulk then clotheslines them both, sending Sherry sprawling out to the floor. Before putting the figure four onto Flair. Fuck you, Terry. Dude, I mean, no. Right? Sensuous Sherry is back on the apron, but Mr. T is there to carry her away, only for her to toss some nuts to Nate as she is leaving. And I just want this, these, I just would love Hogan to just like bleed the hard way, it goes to DQ, 
That's what I want. Mm-hmm. Nature Boy with the Nux filled right hand. For the pin. And no! It's Hulk up time. Dude, brass knuckles. Come the fuck on. Flair's laying it in to no avail. Hogan with right hands. Big boot. Leg drop. For the pin. And no win. No. No. And no. No. And no. Post match, mm. fireworks going off. American. Hulk made. celebrates with his two black friends, <laughs> with Jimmy Hart jumping around like an idiot. Oh, for sure. Of course, it's then time for Hogan must pose. Oh, uh, Tony, Tony even says that Hulkamania lives in WCW, Gross. and my heart grows. Fucking two sizes too small, and my wiener turns into an innie. I paused the show at this moment to see how much time was left. It was a bit. It was ten, ten minutes. minutes left. Yep. And I wrote the note: if he poses for ten minutes straight, this is the final episode of Wrestling History X. You know what's crazy? No shit. I have this this thought. After, like, when Tony says Hulkamania lives in WCW, it's like, it's funny that WCW, at this point in time, has had capital W wrestling. Like, res- wrestling. There's goofy stuff, but they it's capital W wrestling. Mm-hmm. And now the WWF has Brett and Sean and... Owen and they're doing capital W wrestling for at least one third of the show over there, but it's at a really high level. And now we got the fucking cartoon monster over here that just, that just like Rick did an incredible job for what he had to do or what he chose to do. I don't know. I'm sure you have some information, but Ric Flair's one of the best to ever do it. Mm-hmm. No one, like, you. he can be anybody's favorite wrestler, and I will not complain. Yeah, I get it. Ric Flair is Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan is Hulk Hogan, but there's no reason that Hulk Hogan needs to come in on his first match and beat Ric Flair not for like the that. championship with no inner, you know. Yeah, we'll talk about that after we get to this, yeah. you know, Ted Turner <clears throat> champagne party. We see Chris Lemons holding Nick Hogan up in the crowd as Hulk starts making his way to the back. Make his way to the. So if you were hoping this was the last episode, it's not. It's not. Sorry, I gotta make more food for you next week. Tony and Bobby then go over the replay, and the brain is speechless and just looks sick about it all. Mm -hmm. This is like the best Bobby Heenan ever, 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 ever. We get sent to the back. Everything is old. Everything old is new again. Mm -hmm. Ugh. We get sent to the back where Hogan is walking the hallway of the building. And we see Brutus Beefcake and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. All those little, all those little foot fishes. We go back to Shivani to continue talking about the match. Before it's sent again to the back. Where Hulk is again walking the hallways. Calling himself the only champion in the world today. Hogan then meets up with Mean Gene in the interview room. Where you can see Brian Pillman and Eric Bischoff behind them. And I was like, Pillman was a Hogan guy? Yeah, Saito, Inoki. I mean, you Hank, gotta stand behind Hogan to get on camera, apparently. Hank Aaron. Yeah, 
<laughs> Hulk goes on to say, Hulkamania is running wilder than ever before. As he mentions Pillman and Johnny B. Bad being Hulkamaniacs. He mentions George Foreman. So I guess he did have a third black friend. Mm. Okerlund then asks him who his next opponent would be. And I'm like, who? who is it going to be? Like, Sting? We don't have a Rude here. But Hulk just feels bad Vader? for whoever it's going to be. <sighs> mean Gene then sends it back to Tony and Heenan, where Bobby says Flair is an 11-time champ. He did it 11 times. And Poor the Bobby. war is just started. My heart hurts so bad for Bobby. <laughs> this next line is what killed me. And Shivani says his goodbyes, ending it with, Wrestling is cool again before it goes to credits. <laughs> oh my god. Yep. For all the cool points that Tony had got over this last year of WCW he shows. He ruined them tonight. I know mm-hmm. he has to work extra hard because he's not getting a lot of love from the other guys, but come on, dude. Okay. Wrestling is cool again. <sighs> if you know, so, it's gentlemen. not cool again. It's always cool. It's just not always good. So, gentlemen, I ask you, what are your overall thoughts of Bash at the Beach 94? It's a really good show. Up until the last 10 minutes. It's a really good show. My, I'm like I know they brought Hogan in, and not to complain about that because we did it the whole time. But I'm gonna take a different angle. In this should have been the way that territory, the way that WCW, JCP before it did these things, bring Hogan in. You do a fucking trilogy with Ric Flair. If he's gonna go straight to Ric Flair, this. Should have been a DQ. The next one should have been some kind of another turn, like should have been a war games match, four versus four, and then the last one or whatever you have a them meeting again, and you put him in a cage, and you have Hogan and Flair in a cage, and you at least milk it for the money, and you don't just drop it on Hogan and make either Rick way Flair you have not to have Rick. a title change to do a trilogy at some point. So you, it you, doesn't matter when you do the title change. That's true. That is true. We, we, one. And as long as the third one, Flair gets it back, which is who we want to have the belt. Yeah, I just this didn't feel like the beginning of a trilogy. This felt like, okay, well, Hogan's here now. That's yeah. how it felt. Hogan's here now, everybody else, you can have the, the night off. That's, that's how it feels. That's what it is. And yeah. that's why I'm upset, because it didn't... It'd be one thing if it felt like it was a beginning of a trilogy but it feels so like finite and like i mean rick flair obviously incredible rick flair does not phone it in tonight no. rick flair fucking kills it and sells for this asshole did he like he would match? sell for anybody else so what? was flair the booker on this one i don't know okay i think he may have stepped away and they were kind of at the so very like, least they, he wrote they it himself hogan has creative control yeah mm-hmm. Hogan's like, hey, I'm not doing that, brother. I'm not doing that, brother. Uh, and he's not going to come in there not to be the champion, whether Flair is booking or not. And even if Flair is booking, Ted Turner's like, well, look at all. This is my money that I just spent. He's going over. I mean, this show, for me, I didn't think the booking was good, but the work by everyone oh, no. was really good. I will say that everybody on the whole show, bottom to top, Brought their fucking A game, knowing that there's a Ric Flair uh, Hogan match. That there's a lot of eyes on this I show. Mean, Everybody fucking killed it. I'm gonna say this is one of my top five Hogan matches that we've ever watched. 
Easily, because he had to fucking at least do something. He had to hang out for more I mean, than 10 I, minutes. I thought he did a great job. He did. We just didn't like the way that it went down. I mean, so, even with our dislike for Hogan and him winning this belt, it doesn't sour a really good show for me. It is a very... I think that this is an incredible show. No, it's a good show. I just... It just hurts. Yeah. It hurts, too. Knowing what was coming, it was like I was happy with everything and then we get to the last couple minutes and it's just nah. it hurts it's gonna be this way for a long, long yeah. time it hurts so bad because it's been going like we've had our ups and downs with wcw for quite a bit but we just keep talking about how like every other for a while it was like every other show is really good and then it got to a point where it's like well at least every show has really great matchups and you have this like mid card that is like incredible that always, like, even when you don't love the match, you can't say it wasn't a good wrestling match. You can nitpick it, but, like, you can't be like, oh, well, that was a trash match between Ricky Steamboat and Paul Orndorff. It's like, no such thing, sir. Not unless, yeah, not unless neither of them have a heartbeat. Like, is that a bad match? Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right, fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So what are some of the best moments? Of this show. All 20 minutes of Austin Steamboat. <laughs> which is... It's beautiful, right? Because, I mean, Steamboat is... Something. Steamboat's the quintessential face. Yeah. He's never not been... He's never not been a face. He could never be a heel. Terrible on the mic, but just so, like, transcendent in the ring. Fortunately, his... He got a, he got a nice, averagely handsome face but it's not very uh, emotive no. but in this match with Austin he did have some more fire behind him granted this is a big show and uh, he's going up against a shit heel that can work really well and uh, he does kind of he does bring it to him and does the like no fuck you like let's do this and ultimately is his downfall but that's part of of being a babyface that's part of uh, wrestling best moments for me uh <laughs> i mean just bobby's reactions jesse's reactions yeah bobby though uh, bobby i i'm gonna kind of cherry pick off that as well like i said the work in the show was really good but the promo work and the reactions of the announcers and stuff in between matches was Super good. Like, yep. the entire Regal Anoki thing. Yeah. Arn Anderson's promo in the back. Arn Anderson even uh, standing, basically not participating in that match at all outside of standing outside of it, going into, like, pretend to stop a pin or whatever. Not, I mean, he obviously stopped the pin, but, like, his double cross and his pin and, like, him just going into straight do the DDT and, like, really putting a, like, exclamation point on that turn and not it not getting sloppy or confusing like everybody truly brought their a game even you know we talk about liking johnny B. bad and loving lord steven regal regal and bad was an incredible first match mm-hmm. in, mean, a, in a first thing, match that doesn't have brian pillman bad about that entire match was they kind of botched the finish yeah yeah a little bit a little um, bit and then my sherry splash the sherry splash she's a cat yeah she's like <laughs> but she's not just a, any regular cat she's a uh like a Maine Coon, those like really big cats <laughs> that have the like distinguished jaws. How about most disappointing? 
last 10 minutes. I will say that, like, as much as I love Pretty Wonderful, Kevin Sullivan, he did his thing. He's just not very compelling. He's not a bad wrestler, but he's less compelling to me than even Greg Valentine. Greg Valentine, I feel like, is a better worker. So, But they were the same kind of just, like, plain, stocky wrestler. Like, they're kind of from, like, a bygone era, but... At least for some, there's something about Greg Valentine that I'm just happy to see him. I'm never angry to see Kevin Sullivan, but I'm never excited to yeah. see him either. Same. Also, Guardian Angel, gimmick stinks. Yeah, gimmick stinks. Uh, the... I mean, it, it got Vader on the show. Well, I don't hate Boss Man, but I mean, it'd be nice if Vader had somebody that he could really tear it down with. I mean, they had a really good batch a few shows ago. This yeah. one wasn't up As to that good. far, no. but... And this one, I mean, just the, there was too much, is it schmoz? Is that what you usually say? Yeah. yeah. Too much going on there schmoz-wise because, I mean, you've got Harley actually getting involved in the match and nothing multiple, happens. Multiple and then the match ends on a DQ because Guardian Angel is holding a stick. Yeah. He's just holding it. It's like, oh, okay. So when I mentioned that the booking was not up to par, a couple of things that I'm referring to there are... There were six matches on this show. How many faces won? Uh, One. One. That's true. Sting is not on the show due to a... Scratched eye. Scratched cornea. (laughs) Who's the number two face in the company after Hogan? I mean, obviously Sting. It's Sting. Because all the other guys are like... Tonight it was Johnny B. Bad. Rick Rude is gone, unfortunately. Or uh, Steamboat. (laughs) Oh, well, yeah. yeah, Steamboat for sure, but Steamboat is not a reliable exactly. guy. Like, Sting is WCW through and through. Mm-hmm. So, disappointing for me is that literally we're one show in, and Hogan has just encompassed this entire company with his political bullshit that yeah. he pulls mm-hmm. to make himself look better. Mm-hmm. You know what this? We you know what we would have loved to see is a Sting, Ric Flair match. Like Sting, Ric Flair, and yeah, I know. But like Sting should have this belt and have matches with Rick Rude, and Rick Rude should be a champion. But we, can't, but Rick Rude got hurt. It's bad. But at the same time, what would have Rick Rude done if he didn't get hurt and Hogan came in? I just imagine a world where Rick Rude is a five-time Big Gold champion. And one of the best to ever do it. And everyone knows his name. He's still making appearances and doing commentary or something. And everybody just is like, oh, well, it's, you know, Rick, like, when people are like, oh, who are Rick the greatest? Rick is an AEW right now as a manager <laughs> on the opposite side of the ring from Jake the Snake. Just like, no, who's like, where I want him to be in the names of, like, when people, people be like, oh, Sting. People think Sting before they think Rick Rude, and I think that that's a shame. And I like Sting, but I'm just... So I, mean, I think even if Rick Rude hadn't gotten hurt, I think people would still think Sting is yeah. Rick Rude. I know, and that's a bummer, but I think that that could have, it might not Because Rick Rude was never going to be the top heel in not, the company. Not, not with Ric Flair there. I mean, even if he goes to WWF, he's not going to be the top heel there either. I know, maybe I just love Rick So Rick he's always much. going to be a secondary heel. A really good one, don't get me wrong. I think that he But he's always going to be a secondary yeah. guy. While Sting... Top babyface for many, many years in WCW. 
And he's he, even a baby face when he puts on heel makeup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, exactly. how about best performer of the night? That's hard to hard man because nobody sucked. I I mean there was. Are you a gonna few give it to Mr. Norwood? There was a few people that sucked. <laughs> Definitely not Norwood. Yeah, but it's like how do you like how do you pick between Austin and Steamboat in that match? It's like well fuck man, these guys are just firing on all cylinders. I gotta give it to I gotta give it to Bobby. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking honestly. Yeah, I mean, Bobby really did. He did the a Bobby, very Bobby, a very smart thing where Jesse was just like bummed. Bobby. Bobby was my feelings throughout the entire show. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> completely agreed. You know, sometimes you're like, oh, I just got to put on my happy face, and Bobby did it to, to his best ability, but it was still nearly impossible. Yeah. Bobby Jesse was more of a gonna... fuck you. I'm not putting on my happy face. I'm here. That's enough. Yeah. I'm not going to say he was the MVP of the show by any means, but I have to give a shout out to Terry Funk for fucking yeah. doing a barbed wire match the night before. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. But Terry Funk is like, I mean, I'm sure that there's he's retired and come back so many times. Terry Funk's wrestling right now somewhere. But Terry Funk, for the longest amount of time, is always reliable. Before the first pay-per-view we cover to... A few years from now in 94, there's no complaints about Terry Funk showing up. How about most surprising? And see, for me, surprising was the Terry Funk not knowing that this was the day after yeah. Heat Wave. I mean, that, like, literally whenever <laughs> I was like, started watching the match, I was like, what was the date on this show? And then I like looked back to see what the date on Heat Wave I was like, it literally was the, sec- the next day. I was like, that's... Yeah, kind of insane. I will say surprising was I didn't know there was going to be an Austin Steamboat, and I've been clamoring for an Austin Steamboat for a while, and then it totally delivered. So, like, surprising, but also ultimately exciting. Looks like the dark match on here was an Armstrong Brothers with Steve Kern and Bobby Eaton, which I would have liked to see. Because you got Kern. some, you got some the Armstrongs and an Eaton. I'm not super familiar with Steve Kern. Isn't Steve Kern? Doink. Skinner. 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 Yeah. I mean, he's one of the doinks. Doink. And one of the doinks, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So not, Surprising uh, not Bobby Eaton quality, but... Was the, the weak-ass excuse for Sting not being on the show also... Yeah. I'm just trying to... Th- like, I have no idea what happens here, but I'm like, what do we do with Sting? What do we do with Ric Flair? I think well, push down the card. That makes me incredibly sad. What do we bring in for Hogan? Oh, just wait. Oh, my God. See, you may have already seen his next opponent. Vader lay down for him, I would vomit. You guys are probably going to hate me for this. But the most surprising this thing This is such for a pivotal show. Is Hogan showed up. He did. I will, The match was very good. As much as we're upset about it, it was good. It just reeked of, uh, you know, Enochism. This reeked of Hoganism. Yeah. Hoganism is bad and not wrestling and not good for wrestling. Mm-hmm. Long term. And Hogan doesn't fucking go away. No, he doesn't and that's a problem. Well. And he will sleepwalk through many, many matches from this point forward. Finger poke a doom and half, half a decade. He showed up for this one. And he did. So, I think he did. I do agree. I think this match is really, really good. I just don't like that it's not the beginning of a trilogy. I mean, it might be. It might be. I, 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 I don't know that. It didn't feel that way to me. And I don't want you to tell me. A trilogy that spans out over ten years. <laughs> Cue the Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. Cue the Jimmy Hendrix. Making their way to the ring. It's 
trivia time. Yay. So this week, the category is The Champ is Here. The Champ is Here! The Champ is Here! Anybody else but him. So I will name a show (laughs) and a championship. You tell me who that champion was at the end of the show. Five points for a correct answer. Three points if we have to go to multiple choice. The show is Shy Town Rumble. Fuck. The championship is the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. I'm going to go out on a limb with my aunt, and I'll go Sting. One of the few times he held the title, if it happened. It's probably Sting not right. is incorrect. Ugh. For some reason, it seems like Sting in Chicago is a good place for him to win. Well, that only leaves a handful of guys. Shytown Rumble. And it was which belt? NWA? Big gold. Cat. I'm trying to even think what year Shytown Rumble is. That's what I'm trying to remember, too. Is that a steamboat year? Or is that a flare year? I know. I'm like, ugh. I went for the baby face. Which is always not not a very good choice in WCW at that point in time. I mean, or nice. JCP, if it even was WCW full on at the time. I guess, screw it. It'll just be me answering, so let's just go to multiple choice. I know, I'm like, multiple I should, I should choice. have done it. Ric Flair. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ricky possibly. Steamboat. Okay. Possibly. Ron Garvin. Okay. Sting. Alright. Well, shit, so we the know one of those is not on there. Yeah. I it, named the other two. It's probably Ron Garvin, Shane. I'm trying to remember when the hell Shytown Rumble was. Episode twenty nine. Yeah. Who did who did Jim Cornette shoot a fire? Yeah. Was there? <laughs> whose whose right. eyeballs uh, were the were the victims of a fireball from Jim Cornette? Ron Garvin. The Rock and Roll Express. Ron, no, Ron Garvin. Oh. <laughs> he shot a fireball in Ron Garvin's eyes like oh. a, back a long right. time ago. Ric Flair, Rick Steamboat, Ron Garvin. Or Steve. Well, no. It's not the honky tonk man, right? <laughs> no, it's <was> Brutus. <laughs> Same guy. Shytown town Rumble. I I don't know why I'm going Steamboat. Ricky Steamboat is the correct. Oh my oh, god! I was like, I was like, no, it's not Steamboat. That's where Steamboat was. That was the win in the trilogy. Ha-ha. Oh man, I need to go back and watch oh. those. What a good thing to have happened. <sighs> So our points. Oh my god! I don't want to hear about it. Gives Shane eighty-seven. Holy shit! <laughs> I know. I'm and like Michael at forty-two. Is at forty-seven. Hey, oh, I'm more than forty-two. So it's a forty-point lead. Wild, not that wild. But I'm trying to think, was when was Sting's had the belt like one and a half times. I'm trying to even think when he had. Didn't he do it at the World at Championship? He, well, he had the NWA belt three times. Big gold. Yeah. Okay. Because we, we had that thing where they had the double heavyweight thing, yeah. and that was. You gotta like, remember, yeah, that's that's the confusing that's, thing. If you think of it as big gold, he's had it three times. Yeah, he beat Flair at Great American Bash. Because he beat Rude twice, or he beat Rude once, and then he yeah won it again. And there was that weird Vader. time where it's like, oh. And Flair has the title, but it's not the NWA Big Gold title. Rude has that one, and it's like, oh, well, Vader showed up, and now Vader has the one that's not Big Gold, but yeah. somebody, Luger might have Big Gold, who knows? But, like, the double big big belt thing was a little much. It's like, just have it, 
be the you know US yeah. heavy or something well now it is and yeah. Hogan has it yeah. next week Monday Night Raw Mm. From August 1st, 1994. Well, this is... 22 days before my 16th birthday. So we just, came, we, we just came off of um, Owen being King of the Ring, and this is a Raw, so I mean, I imagine something cool is happening if we're doing a Raw. Something cool Something might leading up happen. to the SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. Hopefully Maybe. it's a, a heart type of thing. Maybe. It won't be a Hogan thing, so I mean, there's that. Music from this week's show is Mega Wave by Christian LaRoe. And Hogan won our main event, so we must play American Made. I know, and as soon as. Jimmy Hart. America! (laughs) Made! Oh, thank you for that. Thank you so much for that. At least you. It's like. Nobody frowns about Dusty. No. So just fucking bring it. God damn. Where's Dusty? Where's Where's Dusty? He's making movies or I need Dusty. something. I would have loved to see Dusty no-sell and beat Flair and then lose it again in a month. But it's not 1984. He's, he's ignoring his son to the point that he's going to get pissed off and go through like personality changes here soon or something. <laughs> Maybe. So if you like our rants about Hogan or anything else... Maybe you're a fellow Hogan hater. Please feel free to rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. Happy Hogan Haters Club. Triple H Club. (laughs) (laughs) If you have any questions, comments, concerns, some recipes. Recipes. We're headed to Youngstown, Ohio for Raw. Okay. I was going to say New York, but cool. Ohio. 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 Been there in a while. We're on the road. No Skyline Jail. I think we've been in like Ohio twice. We did a. Cincinnati. We don't have. Skyline Chili and Cincinnati. We don't have that kind of chili. I don't know what else. We did a dog with fries and hot barbecue sauce on it at one point. You can always email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling H I S T O X. We'll talk to you next week. Until then, we're American. Laters. Fuck you, Terry. (laughs) 